Pornhub. Pornhub. The Pornhub Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. I'm Asa Akira, your host, and today's guest is Trip Richards, a.k.a. Triple X Trans Man. Uh, Trip is someone who has really made a big name for himself and created a very successful porn career um, in a very unconventional way. He, or maybe now it's more conventional, but he really, really made a name for himself by shooting exclusively amateur porn content, uh, producing all of his own stuff, not really shooting for mainstream studios. Um, and I think this is, it's a really interesting way of doing porn and more and more people are kind of in that boat these days where they're not really needing to shoot for these bigger studios anymore. Um, it's very different than my own porn experience. So I had a lot of questions about that. Um, and he gave a lot of really great advice for anyone that might be looking into getting, getting into the porn industry that way. Um, obviously I asked him a lot of questions about what it's like to be a trans man in porn. He is one of the most famous recognizable trans men in the porn industry. Uh, aside from, I would say Buck Angel, I don't, I don't really even know that many. Um, so he's had a really, really unique journey. Um, and he gave me a lot of insight, really enlightened me and educated me. And I hope that you enjoy this interview. Trip Richards, AKA yes. triple X trans man. <laughs> Great name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> It's I, it's a little bit more of a mouthful than I ever would have planned if I'd actually thought of it as a porn name. It was originally <laughs> just like a username. And now I'm like, nobody knows how to spell that. But also, don't you kind of feel like porn stars now have usernames? I guess. I mean, I mean honestly, they just have super generic names. <laughs> but like, like, even if you go into Pornhub, it's like purple bitch or like, oh, true. Because, you know, spicy like, I, gum. Yeah. Because, like, I started amateur content like that. You know, I started just webcamming and, you know, I never thought that I would be a porn star per se. So, so I wanted to ask you about that. Like, you started your journey as an amateur porn star. You famously do not shoot for mainstream studios. Mm -hmm. um, but you've made, like, a huge name for yourself. How, how... Did that happen? Was it very organic or like intentional? Well, like I'm super flattered that you think I have a huge audience. I'm super flattered to even know who the fuck I am. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I guess I made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say it was super organic. So like I've been in the adult industry for over seven years now, but I feel like nobody really knew who I was until the last maybe two or three, which is when I started shooting with like other bigger stars. Mm -hmm. um, I had a really big brand as a webcam star. I was doing like solo videos. I was escorting. So like I sort of, I felt like I had gone through all of like the, the growing pains of being in the adult industry mm -hmm. quite a long time ago. And then by the time that I like got a lot bigger and started, you know, thinking of myself or self-identifying as a porn star, 
I sort of had already been in this for like four or five years. I find that to be true of a lot of people in porn, including myself. Like by the time people actually know who we are and they're like, where did you come from? We're like, we've been here. Yes, I've been here. <laughs> Fucking in the trenches. <laughs> I, I have lived that life. Yeah. Um, so I... I, I get asked a lot, like, how does, especially now that porn, like, the landscape is changing so much to be more, like, amateur-based, and, like, you really don't have to shoot for the big studios anymore, but, like, how, and this is a question I cannot answer because I got in 12 years ago when you absolutely had to shoot for studios. Absolutely. It's changed so much. So much. And, like, how, so how do you, how do you, like, drive traffic to your own stuff when, like, you're starting with basically no social media, mm-hmm. like no studios to really push you the way they used to. Like how how does one like make a career like that or start a career like that? So like what I call the democratization of porn, I love. Like I think it's a beautiful thing. You don't have to go through the studios. You don't have to go through the agents. You don't have all the bullshit of that and all the gatekeeping of that and, you know, the racism, the lack of diversity. Like I am such a huge proponent of amateur content. But yeah, it's a huge challenge. Um, Like I get asked a lot from people, especially like young trans people who want to get into the industry now. And they're like, you know, how did you do it? And how can I do it? And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's changed already (laughs) in just the last five years. So true. In the last two. Totally. Like it's changed so much. Um, So like for me, it was so accidental, really. Um, I was webcamming, and at the time, I felt like webcamming was doing a lot better than it does these days. I, I, I feel like I kind of came in at the very tail end of webcam being big, and now it's, like, really hard to get an audience. But I got, like, a really big audience on webcam, and then I started a Twitter account finally because uh, people, you know, want to follow me on there. And, you know, by the time I really even thought about it, I was already reasonably established, so it's definitely a challenge now if somebody comes in like blank, you know, they don't have an Instagram, mm-hmm. they don't have Twitter, they're not already a webcam personality, whatever. It's hard. Um, I mean, honestly, my biggest advice for people is build up a library of content for themselves, like, you know, have have that library, and then um, try to get the attention of some established people. Mm-hmm. Like, I've definitely worked with some newer folks. And I mean, even when, even when I say I was like established by the time that I sort of called myself a porn star, there were also some really big name people who they totally took the chance on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my first couple bigger scenes, um, you know, amateur scenes, but you know, with bigger name gay people, gay stars, they totally took a chance on me mm-hmm. and that just catapulted me. Yeah, uh, for sure. So it it almost sounds like you went about it the opposite way people might think is like you kind of did the porn first, built your fan base in webcamming, and then got social media. Honestly, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I just got to do everything backwards. <laughs> but I'm also seeing, <laughs> I'm also seeing that like that that totally makes sense. That like like a bigger name or more established porn star that's been around for longer with a bigger following might be more willing to take a chance on, you know, this newer performer for their own amateur content, for their own, like, you know, just for fans, only fans, porn hub page, whatever, because it, what it really costs you is your time, right? Because like you can shoot in your house or, you know, um, it's a lot more like 
it's it's a lot cheaper, honestly. Absolutely. There's definitely yeah, there's definitely like a lower investment that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the studio, think, it's like oh, they have well, to yeah. pay for you know a whole production, and a day can easily cost like twenty grand, and they oh, might not totally. want to spend that money to take a chance like on a, a new performer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but on the other hand, speaking of somebody who now is pretty established, mm-hmm. if somebody's up in my DMs and they're like, you know, hey, Trip, I want to work with you. And I look at their Twitter and they have like 12 followers and one dick pic. I'm kind of like, you know, you need to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, do I know you can perform on camera? Do you mm-hmm. know your angles? Like, do you know how to work lighting and cameras and, you know, multitask and, like, are you going to be cool or are you just trying to hook up with me? Mm-hmm. So, like, people have to establish themselves, too. And I think that's what really helped me was, you know, honestly, a lot of the guys who I've shot with, they're like, oh, yeah, we knew who you were, like, years ago because mm-hmm. we saw you on webcam and, like, we could tell you were legit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think anybody who wants to get into porn in this new democratized porn world, they should totally build up that content themselves and, you know, not expect somebody else to just take them on. Oh, yeah, totally. Because that's the one thing that really sucks about porn, even in general, is like when you want to get into porn and you Google, how do I get into porn? Like, (laughs) it's the opportunity for someone who just wants to fuck you to take advantage of you is really like, it's, it's there. Like, it's very easy to do that. Yeah, I mean, I really have the role at this point. Obviously, COVID has added to this. Mm -hmm. But I really just have the role of like, if you're not an established performer, and I'm looking at follower count. I'm looking at, you know, have you done some studio stuff yourself? Do you have like an OnlyFans with more than two uploads and more than two fans? Like, you got to be established because I'm a businessman. Mm-hmm. You know, I love sex. I love porn. It's fun, but it's also my fucking career. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to waste my time on people if they're going to waste my time. I think people often see those two things as mutually exclusive. Like, mm-hmm. like it's it's possible to love your job. And it's also the thing that makes you money. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like something important that's such a taboo to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we have one of two narratives available to us. Either we're like super glamorous, you know, porn star life, or we're like struggling to make ends meet and, you know, need saving or sympathy. And like neither of those, like it's a job. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good job. I love what I do. It's the best fit for me as a person. It's fucking hard work, though. It's so true. Like, it's almost become, like you said, taboo to say, like, I got into porn because I needed money. Like, that's, and that's, like, that's the reason you get into any job, really. I know. That's the thing. It's like, there's this double standard where you have to have some other story to it. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, we all do have, like, really cool stories. I always love talking to porn people, like, so how did you end up here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but right. I mean, we don't question other people in other careers. We don't expect there to be some like, you know, tragedy or issues in their life or relationship. You're just like, Like, how did you get into doing taxes? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. That, that might involve some, some deep seated (laughs) trauma, honestly. (laughs) Maybe that's a whole other. Yeah. That's another can of of worms there. (laughs) So I guess like how, how did you get here? Like was for you, was sex work always kind of the goal slash dream or like, Mm. were you going for something else or like how, how did you end up here? So you didn't really introduce me at the beginning of this, but I'm going to do my, my like really well, quick I, and dirty intro. For, okay. 
<laughs> well, just so you know, I do the intro before, oh, like you're even you're here. Oh, but okay, okay, okay. but well, please give us your intro because you'll probably do a better job than I did. No, it's fine. When you said you recorded that before, I thought just like the you know your your fancy hi, you know, intro. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, anyway, um, for everyone's information, I'm Cliff Richards. I'm 30. I'm transgender guy. Um, I transitioned a little bit over six years ago. Uh, I've been in porn for seven, though, so if we check out the math on that, I did some sex work before I transitioned. Um, I was a dominatrix, and it paid the bills, and it literally paid for me to transition. And I thought that was it. Like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I had fun with it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about boundaries and sex and communication and BDSM. Um, and then, like, a year after transitioning, I jumped on webcam, and, you know, the rest is history. So it was like that early phase was definitely, it was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm like, well, this is the end. Like, this is my career. Like, this is me. And that was a huge switch for me. I always think of myself as like the most unlikely porn star because I am introverted. I was a very, very late sexual bloomer. Um, I've made up for lost time since, but very late. <laughs> more than, I would say. <laughs> more than made up, yes. My, my like, graft trajectory of sexual experiences is a kind of meteoric rise towards the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I think of it in other terms, I feel like I was made for this. I've always mm -hmm. been, you know, more self-employed than not. Um, I started my first business when I was 10. Um, what was it? <laughs> um, I did, like, hand crafts and hand weaving and stuff, and I did, like, a bunch of craft fair <laughs> circuits. I was a super precocious, like, really cute little kid, and people, you know, bought my stuff. I made scarves and bags, and <laughs> I, 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 I mean, all joking aside, I put myself to college doing that. So, like... That is a really <laughs> unlikely... <laughs> I know, and look at me now. Um, so, like, I was made for self-employment. I love being an educator. My professional slash um, educational background is as an educator. Mm -hmm. There's, like... Scrabbling us out the background, my cat's walking across the table. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you have four of them, so I, do. I, I imagine that there's always a cat walking across. A constant. Yeah. It's just like this, the soundtrack to your life. Basically, we'll see if he settles down. If it's too distracting. <laughs> um, so, like, I love being an educator. Uh, I love when people listen to whatever knowledge I've gathered along, you know, along the way, and listen to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I love being able to share that. Um, it's important to me to like make a difference for people. I've always, you know, worked in sort of human services, human outreach kind of stuff, wellness stuff. Um, so, like, when I think of it through that lens nowadays, it's sort of inevitable that I would have ended up doing this. Mm -hmm. And it also seems like you're very fulfilled. Totally. In in more ways than just like, oh, I get to fuck for a living. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. There's so much more to it. Like, I'm sure I preach to the choir here, but there's so much more to porn than sex. Like, honestly, I feel like that is the smallest piece of my life. Mm -hmm. Most of my life is marketing. It's media. It's editing. It's scheduling. It's logistics. It's site updates. It's, you know, figuring out technology. You know, it's it's user support, tech support stuff. Like, it's so much more than sex skills. If we could make resumes for sex work, it's true. Like being, being like an amateur, I don't even want to say amateur because like that's, it's like this term we used to use to describe uh, the kind uh, of porn like you and I make now, but like, it's very, it's, it's so much more than amateur now because it's a real business and yeah, you really actually do so much more. Exactly. Like I have a really complicated relationship with that word amateur. Mm -hmm. um, for a really long time, I resisted using the word porn star because I felt really... 
kind of presumptuous and it didn't really feel like it fit. And now I'm like, what else would I call it? You know, if it's your career and I've been doing this for as long as I am and I make the money that I do and it's my, you know, full-time gig, why, why should I call it amateurs if it was a hobby like building birdhouses? Right. I, I think... I think you're so right. The The term porn star has really changed over the years. I mean, like, I I always felt like if you do porn, you're a fucking porn star. I'm sorry. Right. Like, it's – there's enough other shit but battles to, like, fight. <laughs> like, we're all porn stars. But also, like, you're right. We used to have this idea of a porn star that was, like, this very untouchable, un like, accessible person mm-hmm. that was, like – you had to be with, like, Vivid or something, right? Oh, like, right. you it, were it Jen totally Jameson. Stupid. Yeah, totally different now. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I have like a really similar introduction into porn as as you actually. I also started as a dominatrix. Oh, sure, I did not know that. <clears throat> yeah, and like for me, just like you said, like it was such a learning experience. Oh, to me, sure. like I didn't go to college. I can I completely consider that like my college education. You learn so much through that course. So it's much. Wild. It's insane. And then also, like, just as a human being, I feel like when when you're, like, in the BDSM world, like, you cannot be a judgmental person. Like, No. It, like, opens up so many doors and like, mm-hmm. awareness about yourself, awareness about other people. Um, I did go to college, and I don't feel like I learned anything about <laughs> what I've learned since. <laughs> what did you go for, just out of curiosity? Um, I, I worked, let's say, in the sciences. Um, I don't really want to be more specific than mm-hmm. that. Um but yeah, I, I do have like a legit degree and a bunch of certifications, like a bunch of industry stuff. I'm just like, I did not learn anything about communication <laughs> or boundaries or talking to people yeah. or like making a difference. I learned mm-hmm. all of that as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously like super duper important to you. Like It is. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fundamental for me, honestly. <laughs> and And honestly, I'll say also as a trans person that journey of figuring myself out and like exploring who I am through my work, I would not be where I am sort of as a person in my confidence and all that mm-hmm. if I'd not done sex work. Like I, I literally cannot see any other track to being who I am now, you know, as a grown up man, if I'd not done it, like literally growing up in sex work. I feel the same exact way, actually. Like I, there's so much I've learned, not just about sex, but also about myself Totally. And like who I want to be in the world, specifically from sex work that I know I would not have gotten anywhere else. Um, do, do you, so you mentioned activism and I know that you're like very, very involved. <clears throat> did that come before porn, after porn? Like, was it intentional or did it just kind of fall on your shoulders? Hmm. I have a hard time even with the timeline. Honestly, I feel like a lot of it's really finally come together in this past year. Um, I think kind of the confluence of COVID and politics mm-hmm. being so crazy, and especially like the attacks on adult industry this past year or continuing. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there was this confluence of events where I, I just like sat back and I was, and, and also admittedly where my career is at the point where I am very fortunate that I'm not like mm-hmm. living day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck kind of thing. Whereas like, I can step back and say, what can I use my voice for? What can I use my platform for? And, you know, if I piss off a fan and they like unsubscribe because of that, I can be okay. Like you're in a place a, of privilege. You totally. Because like yeah. for a lot of the time I was so afraid of, you know, if I don't talk to this person, if I'm not super polite to this person, if I don't basically let, you know, everybody walk all over me, I can't afford to live. 
And wow. Yeah. That's such a real fucking answer. Like, you're so right. Like, I never thought of activism in that way where, like, you should be able to say stuff. A lot of us can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. It's true yeah. when you're just starting out in like a freelance business where like all yeah. the odds are already against you. Like you need to take like every offer that comes your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now I'm at the point where I mean I feel weird talking about this because it's not like you know I'm rich or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm stable in my career. I'm really fortunate. I have like awesome fan base, so I can step back and I can have some opinions. Yeah. And if my opinions piss somebody off or make someone comfortable. That sort of needs to happen sometimes. You can like afford you gotta, it. Yeah, you got to say stuff. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, there's a confluence of events with COVID and everybody having a little bit more time and, you know, all the racial justice stuff we're talking about these days, finally, that's getting talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I feel as, you know, a, a white passing person, certain privilege, and as a male passing person, certain privilege, but, you know, as a queer person, as, a, as an openly trans person, as, mm-hmm. a, you know, as a horn star, I feel like we have a certain ability to speak out on things and a certain... Um, I don't want to say we have a responsibility to because I know not everybody can or will, but I feel I'm in a place where I can do that and I have a platform and I have the people mm-hmm. who listen to me. Do you almost feel like, and I'm with you, like the word responsibility is rough because mm-hmm. while I feel it and that's how I feel inside, yeah, I agree. Like it's, that it is a luxury. Else. Yeah, I don't want to tell yeah. somebody else how to use their platform. Totally. But do you ever feel like, and I ask this because like I'm a, I'm a sex worker and I feel like, you know, a lot of times this responsibility of like being more than just a porn star, especially, mm-hmm. you know, after being like established and having a platform and all of that, like I do feel like, yeah, there is this responsibility to use my voice. But like I'm wondering if for you to be trans and a sex worker, and someone who shoots like primarily gay porn, Mm -hmm. or a lot of gay porn, I should say, do you ever feel like you have no other, and you're established, and you can afford to, like, do you feel like you, like, it's, do you feel like you have to be an activist at this Uh, point? Yeah, I get get what you're saying. Like, just by existing, like, are you just by default, like, is your person, (laughs) like, just by being you, like, are you an activist? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I like what you're saying there, because my answer, my short answer is yes. Like, for all mm-hmm. those reasons, I have a responsibility to myself to speak out and, like, make it, make a statement, you know, make a stand on stuff. But, I but also, are you yeah. yourself the, the statement? No, no, I, get, I get what you're saying. I think it's both. I think it's both. Because I've always believed that trans people, just by existing visibly, like, just by being here... Um, like they're disrupting so many narratives. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are making such a statement by our just our simple presence. But I also think that you need to be a little bit louder than that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here, and so so I think of it in terms of my porn. So if I'm making a video, I think that by showing and showcasing the type of actions and interactions that are important to me to showcase, including not being typecasted. You know, trans men are mostly typecast as bottoms and submissive. And I'm kind of neither of those things. So for me to be able to show myself in a flip-flop situation or just like being really passionate, being really aggressive, I feel like by doing that, I get to tell a different story. But on top of it, I feel like I also have that necessity when I, you know, market that scene to label it that way, just to be like, hey, everybody, look at this. Like, this is a trans man with a strap on fucking a cis dude. And like, 
look at that, notice that. Mm-hmm. This needs to be noticed. So, so I guess it's both. Like, I want to draw attention to things beyond just you know hoping that the that the audience of the viewership is going to be like, oh, and that they'll. I I don't want to count on somebody else making the connections. Mm-hmm. And like as you're saying that, I'm realizing like on top of that, even like like bisexual dudes only like it, it's. I think so much of the world refuses or it's really hard for them to believe that men can be bisexual. There is still so much bi stigma. Um, it's wild and it, it like it damages everyone. Why Why do you think? Like why does that exist? Oh, the bi stigma stuff? I feel like because anything that does not fit a nice neat little boxed in narrative makes mm-hmm. people uncomfortable. You know, everybody wants the binary. Either you're gay or you're straight. You're a guy or you're a girl. You're into guys, you're into girls, you know? Mm-hmm. And trans people, we exist at that intersection. And then when we're also openly bisexual on top of that, I think it kind of twists some people around. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's like sensory it's like, overload. It, right. Um, so, so I feel like trans people, or I'll speak for myself because I never want to be like, you know, I'm speaking for trans people, but mm-hmm. speaking for myself anyway, I feel like regardless of our own orientation, mm-hmm. we provoke other people, you know, whether it's our actual real life partners or just people who watch us, whatever, we provoke them to reimagine what does what does gender mean? What does attraction mean? You know, what are the essentials of attraction? Because cisgendered people have sort of figured out like, okay, we're into guys or we're into girls or we're into both. But trans people, we force the viewers, we force the people around us to take that step back and say, what is it really? Is it dick? Is it pussy? Is it boobs? Or is it, you know, is it those distinct parts? Or is it the gestalt of a person? Is it the whole person? Is it like, you know, the way it walks and talks and smells and interacts? Um, and I think that that's what's so cool about trans, you know, being trans is is we make other people think about stuff. Mm-hmm. I think like that reminds me of a quote I saw you say in another interview is <clears throat> that being a man is about identity, not appearance. Totally, Right. Um, you know, so like what, I guess the question is like, so, I mean, I don't even know that there's an answer, like, but what is gender? Like, is it a social construct? I, I think saying it's a social construct minimizes it because people, and I'm not there for a moment suggesting you mean it this way, but I feel like the people who I usually hear being like, oh, gender social construct, they think they're very woke. And what they're really doing is erasing the lived experience of people like myself but mm-hmm. gender is so fucking important. Like, it's I the it's people. the I don't see color. Of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And for me, gender is everything. I am a man, and I have fought to be a man and live as a man and be be respected as a man, be seen as a man. And telling me, oh well, you know, it doesn't exist. If you were on a desert island alone, it wouldn't exist. I'm like, no, it would fucking exist. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, the way that we view gender, the way that we sometimes devalue gender or value gender or have discomfort with gender, it very often is social because it is different, like society to society, and, you know, it's different across ages and times. Um, but, it, you know, you can't minimize it that way either. Do you think, um, yeah, like that? that's so, so, so true. It's like actually very ignorant and, again, like really privileged to be able to say gender is a social construct mm-hmm. because... You're it's right. We're not living people. in a society where, yeah. like, it's very fucking real. Yeah, it's it, like in my experience, it's mostly been cisgender people who are like, mm-hmm. "Oh, gender is a construct." I'm like, "Bitch, you don't know anything about it." Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think that's like, 
would you say that's like, obviously that's the way the world is now. Do you see like in the future, like let's say in like this idealistic future where we are, we continue on this trajectory that we're on in in the positive way. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like, like in the future, do you imagine us all being like genderless or do you imagine us being like labeled into even more things? It's a good question. That's complicated. <laughs> and, and obviously like, like there's no, like there's definitely no answer. It's just like art speculation mm-hmm. and feeling, but so there's some things that have, like really strong feelings about the future. So mm-hmm. I hope you ask me like, what do you envision the future porn to be? Cause I can tell you all about that. But, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> but you asked me like this really sticky question instead. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> um, so like the future of gender, I think the future is going to be whatever each individual makes it to be. So probably closer to your latter point of like a lot of different labels, a lot of different boxes and everybody's doing their own thing. And, you know, we, we kind of associate with people who are the best fit to us, mm-hmm. um, which is what I think we already do. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of trans and queer people who I know, they're like, I'm a little non-binary, you know, I'm a little androgynous, but male or female or whatever is the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of work within the binary because they're like, that's the way the world is. You know, we have an M or an F on the driver's license. You know, we go to this locker room or that locker mm-hmm. room. They also acknowledge that we're all more complex than that. And if we give ourselves space to explore that um, in certain parts of our life, whether through our sexuality or through how we dress or act, whatever else, that we can we can find a way to kind of escape the binary but still work within it because, you know, that's reality. It's kind of like – it makes me think of like back to cats. <laughs> but, you know, like a cat – like let's just say a cat or a dog will be born, right? It has a penis or a vagina and we're like, oh, cool. It's a male. It's a female. But we say it in this very scientific way. But then we never for the rest of its life really like – we're not like, oh, you're such a boy. Like we don't do that with animals, right? I know, but then like once, because literally, I mean, you're so right. That's exact same process for people. The you know, you pop out of your mommy, and the doctor holds you up, and they take a little look, and they're like, oh, it's a boy or a girl, or two percent of the time, an intersex person, and they just declare what they are, which is like Mm -hmm. so. But like for ninety-eight percent of us, the doctor's like, oh, well, looks about right, you know, close enough, and then we just live our life like that. But we don't just live our life. We also, in every interaction, have that, you know, initial quick cursory visual inspection reinforced with clothing and, you know, parties and who our friends are and what toys we play with and who we're expected to grow up and marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what, that's, you know, that's what trans people get out of that. You know, we walk out of that assumption and say, no. Um, plus, plus, I mean, I have to talk about biology here and say there's so many factors to biologic sex. It's mm-hmm. not genitalia. It's, if I recall correctly, it's like five parts. You know, it's chromosomes. It's your own hormonal production. It's your hormonal sensitivity. Like, do you have the receptors? It's internal genitalia. It's external genitalia. So it's five of those going to even biologic sex, and yet we define our babies by only one of them, mm-hmm. and therefore we define our lives basically by only one of them. And th- those five parts are just for biologic sex, and that's not talking about like who your heart is, you know, who your brain is. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what trans people usually talk about. But I'd say even the biologic sex is so much more multifaceted than we give it credit for. Is the bio is the biologic part like would you say crucial in defining trans? Like 
like, is it possible to be trans without altering anything or? Um... Absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people, people are trans because they, they don't become trans, you know? Right. Some trans people transition, some people, trans people just are trans and never transition or their transition looks totally different than we might expect it. You know, it's not surgery and hormones and name changes and legal documents. It might just be presenting themselves differently, talking to their partners differently. Like transition is so, so personal that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly not, oh, you know, you go away and you have the surgery and then you come back as a woman, you know, right. it's, it, it's not, it's not like kind of that, that old idea of transition. It's, I guess, like once again, it's not a binary thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 so multifaceted, and there's so many paths to it. Yeah, I I have to touch on this because you mentioned it, <clears throat> not even in the same way, but you mentioned lock gym locker rooms, mm -hmm. and you know, like if there's if there's like one dream I have in life, it's it's just to like be in a men's locker room one day because of the things I hear about it. Like, I just, it sounds like this, like, <laughs> euphoria. Like, it sounds like, like, dudes are just jerking off and, like, and people are just fucking in the sauna and, like, like, there's just, like, all different kinds of sex going on. And, like, you are in this really unique position of having seen both. Like, I'm wondering, like, is Girl, it like, true? I, like, I am so, so sorry to disappoint you. What you're talking about is, like, gay bathhouse locker rooms. <laughs> Not like any time fitness locker. Don't ruin, don't ruin my Even like at like um at Planet Fitness. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. So one of my first jobs was working at a Gold's Gym, and this is you know as a teenager, so obviously pre-transition. Um, so I was using the the women's facilities, um, and I was like the closing staff, so I shut down the gym at night, um, which was like super sketchy to have like a seventeen-year-old girl presenting like literally running the entire facility and like 10 at night closing it down. It was like yeah. super sketchy. I was like That's... literally the only staff person from like 7 p.m. on, you know, the, like the manager and the, you know, the sales staff, they pieced out like seven. I was just sitting up there alone for like hours. That but sounds anyway, so dangerous. It was so sketchy. Not, I mean, I didn't think about the time, but now. Like, of course. Like, at 17, oh you don't God. even have the brain capacity to think about <laughs> Anyway, so, you know, I used to women's facilities, but then at night, you know, I shut down staff and, um, you know, I go into the, the you know, I call the men's locker room, like, hey, hey, anybody in here, closing time, whatever. Um, and I'm going to say that sauna really, really, you know, there's like sauna in that locker room. It smelled like jazz. I realized that now, <laughs> I didn't realize it then because I was, you know, I said I was a late sexual bloomer. I'd literally never seen color at that point. And I realized now that that sauna was a little ripe. But uh <laughs> like, oh that that's um, what that was. Yeah, I realized that like later once I started going to bathhouses and stuff, I was like, wait, why does this smell so familiar? Oh <laughs> why why <laughs> does it smell like gold gym in here? <laughs> right? right? Like not even kidding. But you know, I mean, other than that, um, because I've always been like a gym rat, most of the gyms are you know, pretty sedate. I mean, maybe it gets crazier at night. I don't know. Anyway, there's there's no gangbangs in the men's locker room. I'm so uh, sorry. You're, you're killing me. I'll probably just take this whole part out. <laughs> <laughs> it never even happened. Erase it from my mind. <laughs> so um, you said, you know, you started off as a dom, like, and you try to shoot a lot of porn and have the luxury of shooting you know, all different kinds of porn to like really showcase all 
like the multifaceted, you know, trans man, sexual dude. But like in your in in your personal life, like are you like what are you just kinky or like do you is there one direction you lean? Hard like are you like would you consider yourself a dom? Like do doms consider themselves doms? I don't even know. No, like I, I really don't know because I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't really want to speak for anyone else. My experience has been, though, that most cisgender men who call themselves doms, I'm not talking about porn, but like in general, um, they're mostly just abusive assholes who call yeah, themselves doms. Sure. So they can be fun women, usually yes. women, and, you know, not be questioned because they're like, call me sir and do what I tell you to. Right. So I have it's like under the people. guise of like kink, yeah, but exactly. really you're just a dick. <laughs> Precisely. So I have a huge aversion to like self-identifying as a dom. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the term is misused so much. In terms of your question, though, like my personal life, um, honestly, I don't have much of a personal life outside of porn. So like, I pretty much am celibate outside of porn, um, with rare occasions, with rare exceptions. Like, porn is my sexual outlet. Um, yeah. So, and also, I've evolved so much in my preferences. Yeah. You know, if you ask me this question, like every year on the year, I would have a different answer every time. Totally. Sexuality um, but, is yeah. such an evolving, ever evolving thing. Like, oh my. my fetishes change, my tastes right. change. Yeah. Um, so totally. I'd say that I think the only pretty consistent thing is I'm not submissive. I try sometimes. Like mm-hmm. People want me to have some video of being submissive, and. I can't even fake it very well. Like, I feel like such a doofus. You know, I, I try to act all, you know, slutty and subby, and I just can't fucking do it. I'm the so opposite. When I feel, you know what it feels like? Like, it's, I feel the same exact way as you, except when I'm being, you know, when I'm hired to be dominant okay. or I'm trying to, like, you know, portray a dominant person in a porno. And it's like, it's that feeling of like, I'm also not a hat person. Like whenever I, I, I would love to start wearing hats, but whenever I wear a hat in public, I'm like, everyone is looking at me and they can tell that I'm just not a hat person. <laughs> and that's exactly how I feel when I'm oh like a dom God. scene. I'm like, everyone knows everything coming out of my mouth is the wrong thing. Like you're just totally faking it. I don't have the essence. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel with subby stuff. So today I always describe it to people because I'm perfectly happy to bottom. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy to, you know, be a people pleaser. But to me, that's not submission. Like mm-hmm. I always say, even when I'm bottoming and trying to please a partner, what I'm really doing is I am in control of their pleasure. So like if their dick is down my throat, I am in 100% control of how that dick feels. And that's, that to me is like the essence of being in control and how I can top from the bottom, even when I am bottoming. Now, and that's the kind of subtlety that a lot of viewers don't get until I explain it. They're just like, oh, well, you know, there's a trans dude getting fucked hard and, you know, taking lots of dicks, so he must be submissive. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm controlling the situation. I am letting this, ple- this partner, this guy have all of this pleasure with me. That's about me controlling it, though. That okay? I love that you said that because that's exactly how I feel—the okay. opposite. Okay. <laughs> so, like, because and and it just kind of goes to show you how much, like, you know, being dominant or submissive is really just a mentality and like in your heart. Because I am so submissive that when I am being dominant, or <clears throat> you know, even if I have a partner in real life that like enjoys being dominated, like to me. 
I'm such a people pleaser and I'm so submissive to this person that I will top them. <laughs> because they want you to. Because they want me to. Like yeah. I'm doing it for their pleasure. Yeah, exactly. So that's so interesting that like we both have that same experience from the opposite ends. Totally. But no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like I, I am in many ways a pleaser too, but I get to do it by having control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I get to make you feel good. That's really fucking powerful. That that's, I mean, that is, I yeah, it, it is. It is powerful. <laughs> Nothing is more powerful than having a dick down your throat. That is the truth. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here and I'm like trying to take little careful sips of my tea. <laughs> I I am so incapable of drinking like an adult and not choking, but I can take a whole ass penis down my throat with no problem, but like I will choke on my drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no correlation between the two. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, you So you mentioned like you don't have much of a personal life outside of work, and that's actually something yeah. I too struggle or not. I don't want to say struggle, but like I am... I don't want to say guilty either, but like I have, I, I have that as well. Like just now as like, you know, someone who's been in porn for 12 years, I'm 36 years old and I'm just now realizing like so much of my identity is tied into doing, doing sex work, being a porn star and also being like viewed as a sexual person. Right. Like that's just so much of my life. And obviously like that's probably part of loving your career. Like, you know, um, it's just anyone who's like really into their like art or whatever would probably agree with that. They like really identify with it. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Like I I would say like being a sex worker is like 90% of my identity at this point. I totally agree. Um, You know, and and also in this new age of porn, we take our work home with us literally. Mm -hmm. We're We're not even taking it home. We're we're home with it. Right, right, exactly. Playing <laughs> COVID. Yeah. But like, do you, like, what does a typical day look like for you? It's very boring and very unsexy. <laughs> <laughs> kind um, of back but, to what we said, right? It's like sex uh, is like, the, the sex is like a very small treat part yeah. of it. So especially with COVID, my filming has been super episodic. So like what I'll do is every month or two months, I take a trip. And I film like a bunch of scenes, like five to 12 scenes, basically back to back over like five days or a week. And then I sit at home for the next six weeks or so, and I don't see another person. Mm-hmm. I go to the grocery store once a week, and that's kind of it. Um, so I, I think that post-COVID, which is sounding more and more like, you know, when Jesus returns to Earth. But, you know, one of these years, um, I assume that I will have a more, like, distributed filming schedule um, because, you know, that's what I did before COVID, if I can remember back that far. Um, but at this point, it, <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. But anyway, it's like, at this point, my, my filming comes in as an episode. So I'll be like, I am living the porn star life. Like, I am fucking sexy people left and right. For like a week like what people yeah. imagine the yeah. life of a porn star to yeah. look like right like yeah. you're you're on a plane you're you're going right. here to fuck this person you're getting and tested you're socializing and yeah yes um and then i come home and i live in a very rural very conservative place which is crazy for me to be here but whatever that's what i'm doing for now you're um, a cat dude yeah and i sit at home with my cats and i edit my porn how and- does i have to ask you like uh, you know, like I'm, I'm so not a cat person that it like, I've noticed 
cat people love to have multiple cats. Like, is that something? Do you collect one and then another, and before you know it, one day you have four, or or, or do you like set out to like, like? I'm turning my house into a, like a cat playground. Like, how does that happen? Uh, I think it just sort of happens. <laughs> like one day you look up and you're like, oh shit, I have 40 of these little <laughs> bastards. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so I have a four cat max. I've never had more than four cats in my life. And I have no intention of having more, more than four cats in my life. It's very convenient. It's you're at your max, by the way. I just want to I mention have, that. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> like ne- next year, you'll be like, I have a five cat maximum. No, very no, strict. No, I, I promise not. So like three years ago I had a four cat max and I had four cats and then one died and then another died and I was down to two cats and then I adopted more again but no I I really stick to the four cat max <laughs> why uh, why is that like what's what's magical about four that's a good question I just feel like four is as much as I could handle and okay. beyond, beyond that I just become like a really sad crazy cat person so, <laughs> so, so like one cat what if you have one cat people are like oh you have a cat if you have two cats people are like oh you have two cats People, if you have three cats, you're like, oh, well, this person's really a cat person. If you have four cats, you're just like, well, you've just given up on life. So so I'm about that. You've just given up at life stage at this point. <laughs> <But are> you... <laughs> I mean, I will say from the, from the outsider's point of view, like there is no difference between three and like 10 cats. I can assure you there's a big difference in the amount of, of shit you have to scoop out of litter boxes. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm happy with mine. I love mine. When I travel, I miss them, but I have somebody who takes good care of them. And, yeah, I mean, they're they're honestly like really sweet pets. So I know everybody knows me as, like, the cat guy, but honestly, I love all animals with the possible exception of humans. They're just kind of okay. <laughs> but, no, I really, like, love all animals. I just happen to have cats at this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so so back to like your regular day it sounds like uh, yeah. you you live you know 80 percent of your time is spent as as a cat dude i mean it's spent as a guy who's like editing porn and scrolling twitter obsessively and scrolling instagram obsessively and you know basically being a normal millennial i guess yeah i guess yeah especially yeah. during these times right um but basically it's i do work you know i feel like i work hard but it's it's obviously not a forty hour work week kind of idea, mm-hmm. and it's not the glamorous porn star life either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where I kind of try to use my time to say what stories can I tell, including talking to somebody like you know with you here to demystify the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's been one of my huge goals, and, and that I believe is a way to kind of help um, um, maybe not eliminate stigma, but slowly chip away at it. Whether it's as a trans or trans person, as a sex worker. Um, you know, as a queer person in general, I, I feel like trying to demystify the whole process is literally the best thing I could do. Also, like, do you, I don't know, like, maybe it only feels like this from from me, but like, do you feel like often when we talk about, you know, trans people, trans activism, even trans people within porn, like, the story we hear a lot about is is a trans woman, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's very, very few, few trans men in porn, even to this day. I will say there's a hell of a lot more than there were when I started, um, at least you know, in amateur content. But I feel like trans male inclusion in studio and even just like in mainstream fan content like what I produce, I feel like trans, trans male inclusion, it grew, it grew, and now it's sort of stopped. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there's more growth. Um, I like feel it like plateaued kind of, or something? Yeah, I feel like trans male um, inclusion in porn 
as I said, you know, mainstream, whether it's fan content or studio produced, but like visible stuff. Um, I feel like it's got up to a certain point, and that point is where we are now, which is cisgender passing, white passing, conventionally attractive, muscular, hairy trans dudes like myself. And I am those things for better or worse, but that's all that I'm seeing, and it's really, really frustrating. Like, I'm not seeing the trans people of color, the trans men of color. I'm not seeing diverse body types among trans men. Uh, I'm not seeing trans men who want to do various things other than mostly bottoming for cisgender male partners. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of straight stuff with trans men. Do you find that that, like, helps you career-wise? Or um, I mean, it, it may help me, but that's... Like, is it a hard, big fish, yeah. small pond type situation? It is to a point but honestly what i feel is just frustrated by it you know i feel like mm-hmm. there's progress and trans men are more in the mainstream at the moment than we ever have been but i'm like where is this going to go where is the next step where's the progress and my goal working within that system you know as the cisgender passing white uh, you know white passing trans dude is to say what can i do to elevate other people to bring up other voices and just to draw attention to this mm-hmm. to be like you know this is progress this is great but don't stop now Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's also the aspect, I think, of, again, just by existing, just by doing it, there's someone out there seeing you doing it mm-hmm. and thinking, I can do that too. If he can do it, I can do it, right? No, totally. And I mean, I I hope this doesn't sound too egotistical, but I think that there's a lot of the newer trans men who've gotten into porn have done so because they saw me doing it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that's super cool. But I also worry, you know, are they going to find the right reception? Are they going mm-hmm. to find the audience? Or have we kind of like gone to this point where this is all it's going to be until that next step happens? And for me, the next step is what I really want to see in the industry as a whole, which is the bigger name people, the studios even, really working to be more inclusive, more diverse, mm-hmm. um, you know, lend, lend their audience, lend their voice so that there is more um you know, it, so it's not just like the same three trans guys shooting. Mm-hmm. And, that's and that's that's my frustration. I hear that frustration from people of color in general in the industry. I certainly hear it from like trans women even, where it's like, you know, this, you're either the top, you know, those top few people, or you're a nobody. Any like quote unquote, like niche or like, mm-hmm. um, right? Like same with Asians. Yeah. Right? Like the, it, it's so true. Like you're either the top, there's space for like one exactly <laughs> to shine and then exactly. everyone else is like splitting the rest of the work and like not yeah yeah and and i do think that like all the fan content you know only fans just for fans stuff like that it has definitely changed things because it does allow people to just kind of come up from nowhere mm-hmm. um, but there's still those limitations like if they can't reach the audience and that's what we're talking about like if you don't already have you know a lot of followers somewhere if you cannot reach your audience your potential audience they won't even know that you exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yet what I think we've seen is that whenever you have that ability to get yourself in front of a big enough audience, the audience wants this stuff. Right. Like the audience can eat it up. Um, I mean, there's a huge audience for me. There's a huge audience for so many people. When I look at the most successful stars on some of the fan sites, they are what would be called niche performers. You're performers mm-hmm. of color, performers with kinky stuff. Um, just Different you know, not, body not, sizes. Oh, mm-hmm. Just not your standard issue porn star. So clearly the moment that the fans, the viewers can see something different, they fucking love it. But if this they is never such an see it, that's interesting time in porn because of that. I think like we're I think we're like 
almost like too in the middle of it to even be able to say anything objective no, no, about no, no, no. it, if you know what I mean, because the transition is happening right now. But it's and like, still yeah, totally. Like who knows what's going to happen like next week. But like it feels like we are really learning that people like things that we didn't know previous. Like we used oh, to think a porn star had to be like this blonde big boobed, skinny mm -hmm. woman being fucked almost by like a faceless, very generic, mm -hmm. muscular man, right? Like it's like we thought that or mainstream studios still think that that's what sells. Um, and that's that's my quibble with studios, basically. Mm -hmm. That's why I've always you know, tried to go it alone. Because like if you had asked me five years ago, is there an audience for trans men? I would have said, maybe, I'll say... And now if you ask me, I'm like, there's a huge audience. I just have not reached them all. Mm -hmm. like, there's a huge untapped audience still. What what kind of, I know you shoot customs. Like what's the most request thing for you, requested thing for you? Mm -hmm. I think it's anything that makes people feel like it's personal. So I use people's name. If they have any like phrases that they want me to use, to, like really get them going. Mm -hmm. um, I love incorporating that into a custom. Um, other than that, I feel like most of my custom requests are reasonably boring. It's just like, you know, fuck yourself with this dildo, do some dirty talk. I want to see you come, you know, I want to see you in underwear, you know, just kind of like garden variety stuff where to be honest, all of those videos are already on my fan sites, right. but somebody wants the video because they know that I shot it just for them. Right. You made it yeah. for them. Or maybe yeah. you're wearing like one article of clothing that like, right. like is really a signal out to them. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think actually as many, compared to many other people I talk to, I don't get some of the really wacky, crazy custom requests. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, do, but, yeah. I hear about these crazy requests and I just don't get them. Like I, or, I'm like waiting, maybe, I'm open. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or maybe I'm just so nonplussed by everything that I actually am getting crazy stuff and I don't know <laughs> crazy i'm just like oh well this is generic <laughs> <laughs> this is just a tuesday <laughs> normal <laughs> i mean yeah like you definitely strike me as someone who's like a try anything once or like oh, maybe oh. even try anything three times kind of person <laughs> 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah 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 no i talk to like normal people you know well believe it or not there's a couple of them still around i, I know a couple of them <laughs> um, and I talk about my non-porn friends and I mean all my non-porn friends fucking love the stories I tell them but then they start telling me about their sex life and I'm like oh honey like you're only getting upset about the wrong things like this is normal like just talk to each other like just communicate and also that guy cannot find your clit and I can do better <laughs> is there is there anything for you that's like totally off limits like you don't even want to try once hmm Wow, the, even the fact that you have to think about it's it is a really long pause. I know, sorry. Um, I guess anything that's like permanent injury or blood, I'm not into. But I mean, I've done piss, I've done scat, I've done you know every other type of BDSM stuff I can think of. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't do in a particular setting with a particular person, right? Which right, is like right, a specific limit, but I've had to say like a general limit. I mean, no, yeah, obviously, like, I'm assuming here that, like, everyone is an adult and, con you know, consenting, right, blah, blah, right. blah. So, like, within those boundaries, I think just, like, severe bodily harm, I'm not even going to say no blood, because, I mean, I've certainly hit people hard enough that they've bled. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll is it, it, do you think, <laughs> do you think, is it, is it? 
possible to even like truly know that something isn't for you if you haven't physically tried it? Um, that's a little bit of a slippery slope for me because people are always like, well, how do you know you don't want to do drugs if you haven't done drugs? Sorry, I'm like very famously sober. Um, and I would say, well, you just know because you just don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think part of respecting people's boundaries is to say, well, you know, maybe you're straight. Like maybe you really don't want to play with another dude. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. Um, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, you should try it. And it's, you know, until it's an informed opinion, it's not an opinion. Because I don't really want to be like that kind of person. But for me personally, I have gone through so many iterations of interest. Um, like you're talking about, you know, if you check in with me every year, like the answer is going to be different kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so at this point, I I don't want to limit myself because the reality is if I limit myself now, in two years, I'm going to look back at this and I'll be like, you dumb shit, like you were missing out. But maybe <laughs> that's, maybe I'm the same way and maybe that's just our personality type. Like kind of like you just said, yeah. like it doesn't mean, because you're right. I think, I think it, it can be a slippery slope and we, I have been in spaces where I think people are, I mean, not to be all like poor straight dude, but like. I think there I have been in places where I do feel like some people who are just straight are like uncomfortable to say they're just straight. Yeah. And I, I think it's perfectly okay for people to know themselves. I think what's more important though is for people to be to be given the space, and I'm talking about both the space within themselves and the space socially, to rethink things. Because let's say, you know, somebody today is like, I'm straight, I'm 100 percent straight, I'm solid with that. If two years later they realize that they're actually maybe into dudes, they should be able to to come mm-hmm. to that conclusion without a huge crisis of conscience and without their friends and family disowning them and without people laughing at them. Like you have to give people the space to be wrong about things in order for them to actually be themselves. I couldn't and that's agree more. Bit, um, which doesn't totally. mean that person is not genuinely straight in this moment. To use I think. Example. Like I changed my mind needs to be normalized. One hundred percent, absolutely. And I feel like that is still such a taboo thing to say. Mm-hmm. And even in my own life, I feel so uncomfortable saying it because I'm like, I have to write a whole paragraph or you know, a whole fucking book about why it changed, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, I realized something different. You know, I'm in a different space in this moment." Um, and yeah, that should be one hundred percent okay. And honestly, that should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. That when I see people like being canceled for something that they said five Ugh. years ago, I'm like, let's see what their opinions are today. If their opinions are still problematic, cancel the fuck out of that bastard. But if they've like really done a lot of work and really changed how they're feeling last five years, like let's celebrate that. It's almost like that is part of like the human experience. And if you have the same exact opinions as when you were like 18, 19, 20, like you're probably a fucking dick. Yeah, like that's not a good thing. That's not something that you should be proud of. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I've no, never changed like, my mind. Don't brag about that. <laughs> yeah, like why, Why? yeah, it, it's so true. I, I would love to see that more accepted. So just change your mind. Yeah, like without exactly. even an explanation. And, like, and that's the responsibility for all of us when we see somebody come out as whatever. I'm really talking like way bigger than gender and sexuality, but you know, that, mm-hmm. that is included. That's our responsibility for all of us when somebody makes that statement or starts living differently, be like, cool. Don't even say anything. Like, you don't even have to say anything to them. Like, you don't need to point out, hey, you changed your favorite flavor of ice cream. Like, just let them have it. And, and you know, like that, I mean, that's so true because that's something we can fully accept. Like, I liked strawberry five years ago and now I like chocolate. Like, uh-huh. we're not so, like, so- why? 
So did you not mean it when you said that you liked strawberry? Were you secretly loving chocolate this whole time? Did you have a traumatic experience with strawberry and now you don't like it anymore? What did strawberry do to you? Right. Um, so, so, you know, you asked me earlier about like bisexuality and I have such, such complicated feelings about it. But one thing that that's making me think just as we say it is it's okay for people to become by in their actions. I'm not, I'm very carefully trying to avoid the idea that, you know, are you born that way or not? But mm-hmm. it's very okay for somebody to try something or wish to try something and have that evolve. Because so often, and this is this is my issue with like heteronormity and cishet culture in general, like if a cis dude starts doing stuff with other dudes, everybody's like, oh, see, he's really gay now. Um, and I have a big issue with that because I'm like, Maybe he's not. Like, let him be by. Let him have that space. Um, there's this idea that it's a repudiation of his previous self, as if he was lying to everybody. Um, and mm-hmm. also because there's very, very little space, especially for men, to be bisexual. There's this idea, either you're straight or you're gay. And if you're, if you're straight identified, but you also play with dudes, you're not bi, you're just gay and lying to everyone. And that's something mm-hmm. I just take like, a lot of offense at. Yeah. Because it's like, you need to get And it's that weird space. because, and like, we are at a place where we don't say that about women. Like, when a woman says she's bisexual, like, we just, we, whatever, we accept it. Well, actually, I would take a little bit of exception to you there, if you, if you don't mind, which is that um, female bisexuality is still erased insofar as it's treated as lesser than her relationships to men. It's like, oh, sure. they're just playing, you know, oh, you know, a girl's just making out, whatever. Or it's for the male gaze where the guy's like, oh, well, that's hot. Um, so so I think, think it's treated that, differently. Like, no, you're right. And do you think that porn is kind of guilty of adding to that? Because so often our lesbian scenes are mm-hmm. shot obviously through the male gaze. Like it's- Oh, 100%. You know, there's very, there's a lot more like- you know, lesbian porn that's strictly made for men out there, the male viewer, rather than like lesbians, it feels like. Absolutely. Like I always joke with my girlfriends about like the quote lesbian porn where her fingernails are like three inches long. And I'm like, no, like that's, that is not (laughs) a lesbian has nails like that. That is not a lesbian. (laughs) Um, It's like, (laughs) yeah. That's, that's, that's like in like, Sex in the City when like someone had a scrunchie on and Carrie was like, she's not from New York. She has a scrunchie on her wrist. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like we can tell that you're just faking. <laughs> um, so, so that is actually one of the reasons why I'm such a huge proponent of the quote amateur porn or, you know, actually I, I use the term indie, mm-hmm. like independent production, much more than amateur because I'm like indie porn, indie queer porn. That's a legit goddamn lesbian there. And she is into it and she's like diving into that pussy and she is having a good time. And I would much rather see that and be part of producing that and, you know, have that out there as a narrative than this kind of like male gaze, heteronormativity lesbians. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say the same for gay porn. Um, I don't I don't want to get into like the whole, you know, gay for pay. Is that OK? Kind of debate, because I feel like that's super sticky. But I certainly would rather see you know, gay porn and gayish porn, like I produce, where everybody's super enthusiastic. And like, you can tell they're really into it. And you can tell they're like, really comfortable with themselves. Um, I think that's super important to see, you know, to the extent that for viewers, porn is an educational tool, Mm -hmm. as well as entertainment and pleasure. 
I want the viewership to see like real authentic connections and real authentic passion and people are, you know, actually into each other, not just, uh, you know, the director tells them to do this, that, and the other, and that, cr- that crazy position or that crazy position. I totally agree. Like, I think, you know, like looking around me, like I do, I do personally feel like the, the performers that I see finding a lot of success are the ones that like actually do love to fuck mm-hmm. and do are good at making that connection with their co-stars and are going in like open to like whatever this experience is going to be. And they're also seeking out the experiences that authentically are enjoyable for them, not just the ones that they think will sell. Totally. Totally. So yeah, I I think that does really like come across on camera. Yeah. Um, So we touched on this a little bit earlier and, you know, you said the perfect question would be like, what, what does the future of porn for trans people look like? What does it need to look like? Where does it need to go? And like, I'm, I'm curious to see like, what is your, how do you actually feel about that? Oh, I feel many ways about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the main one is not just about trans porn, but like the future porn in general is I want to see something, if I talk about economics here, I want to see a place where the performance, the production and the profit are all from the same person or to the same person. Mm. So, so like, that's where I am. I am the performer. I do my own production, which includes, you know, the editing, the marketing, the uploading, you know, site management, whatever. And I also make 100% of the profit from it. So, you know, if I, if I think of like socioeconomic stuff, or you know, I shouldn't say socioeconomic, but like if I think of economic theory there, those are the people who get to be successful because they are in control of their means of production and they're profiting from it. So that to me is a future of porn. Um, it's going to look way more diverse because the world is diverse. Um, it's going to be more mm-hmm. equitable because there's space for people to be themselves and, you know, profit from it. Um, that's the whole idea of like being democratized. You're not going through the gatekeeping. You're not going through the people who are mostly old white men who are deciding what they think is going to sell. Because over and over, as soon as we see, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you know, we see the people as soon as the right platform is out there, like OnlyFans, like Just for Fans, like other sites, as soon as that platform is there, the viewers are driving the traffic and the viewers are letting us know what they want to see. And in fact, viewers want to see a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and I don't know why, like, the gatekeepers actually, are not listening to it. That's actually also, like, a really good way to ensure that the right people are, like, profiting off the exactly. porn when it comes to certain kinks. Like, I think, you know, like, I think, you know, everyone feels a different way about this. But, like, I feel like it's really I, – I personally am not into, like – like, I don't really want to police people's kinks or fantasies. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, like, I think whatever you want to masturbate to, like, you should be entitled mm-hmm. to that, you know, as long as it was shot in, like, a good, ethical, safe way. Consensual and you know? ethical. Consensual right, right, right. and ethical. But, like, you know, we get into really, like, sensitive areas like race play, for example, mm-hmm. or um, or rape play, mm-hmm. even. And it's hard to be a consumer of you know, that kind of porn when you don't know where your money is going. Precisely. Like, I don't want to like, I, I mean, I'm not into race play, but like, like if I were, I wouldn't want my money going to like the white dude profiting off of like black race play if I were exactly. a black dude, right? Exactly. Like you want to go that to go to the right person. You want it so, to go to like the person who's 
making that porn, who's performing in that porn, who is actually into that porn. And And the person who's making the money from it. So you're like, clearly this person is into it because they are making it, they're producing it, they're marketing it, and they're making the money from it. You know, I've and they're like empowered the, by it. Right, exactly. I mean, I've always felt like the best way to redistribute your money is to send it to the people who are actually doing shit. You know, that's that's why I'd rather mm-hmm. somebody subscribes to OnlyFans rather than a studio page where, you know, it's trickle-down economics, which we all know doesn't work. So it's mm-hmm. like, go directly to the source, and that way you can make sure that person is an eagerly, enthusiastically consenting element of their own production. Um, I, I feel and that's like, tenfold yeah. when it comes to like the niche performers, like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier, is like because you know so often, like the more marginalized people, like we are shot in a certain way through, you know, the white male, the cis male gaze. Like mm-hmm. it's it's you know it, it's it's definitely like tenfold. I think when it comes to marginalized yeah, people, absolutely. And it seems like for niche performers, as soon as you give us that space to make our own content, it's so much more interesting. It's so much more diverse. And in fact, it's making us money. So clearly mm-hmm. there is a desire for it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the marketplace is driving that. Um, I just want like the big powers that be to catch up with it all someday. But in the meanwhile, my, you know, my, my message really to viewers is if you want something, if you want to see something, go find the people who are making it and support them. And if they're not making it, think- encourage them to. Is there a way for, um, you know, because like I'm wondering, is there a way for mainstream studios to be involved in that like idealistic future of porn? Like, is there a way for them to be involved while, or is it, is it completely opposing? Like, is that system mm. completely just the opposite of what we're describing? Because I'm with you. I think. I think in order to be like truly for porn to truly be empowering and, you know, for lack of a better word, feminist and, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, ethical, I guess is the perfect word Mm -hmm. for it. Like, I agree. It's the money needs to go to the right place. But is there space or is there room for mainstream studios to still be involved if they like pivot their ways or like, what do you think? Yeah, I would say it's absolutely a way for them to be involved. Um, I don't think that they're antithetical by form, you know, by nature, mm-hmm. but at the moment they're still antithetical in how they're actually acting. For so sure. I'm like, either get with the program or the, the, you know, the indie amateur performers like myself, we're just going to circumvent them completely and honestly make them, you know, a dinosaur in the industry, which I think is already happening. Mm-hmm. But if studios want to remain relevant, they absolutely could drive the traffic to, you know, more diverse performers, they could showcase more diverse performers, they could spotlight people who are not the standard issue appearance of porn star doing the standard issue boring on screen stuff. So studios could absolutely do it. But what they would need to do is like get their head out of their own ass and say, we want to try something different. And we're going to take a chance on it. But you know, at this point, I don't even feel like it's that big a chance. Because I mean, somebody like myself Mm -hmm. could come to a studio and say, I am making good money doing my own thing. You can either have a part of this by showcasing me, or I'm going to keep making good money doing my own thing. You know, it's not taking a chance. Like for a studio to hire me would not be taking a chance. I have already proven myself to be a performer, to have a platform, to be a desirable item in porn. But studios still are really, really hung up on like, 
you know, can can we take the chance on tra- casting a trans person? Will our audience revolt? And I'm like, no, they won't. What section of the video store will you be in? <laughs> you know, that is honestly you, one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. You know, no, like seriously, that yeah, is one of the biggest it's challenges. It's like yeah, the studio system is is set up for male and female and for trans women, you know, at the margins. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There is no other space. And trans in studio parlance, and I'll say even like porn parlance in general, trans in most people's mind means MTF, you know, male to female. Like there's not even a space or a mm-hmm. name for trans men at this point. So I'm just making my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think, you know, it's it's a very real thing that like at a certain point when you're making enough money in quote unquote amateur porn, mm-hmm. like you are losing money by spending your day shooting for oh, a totally. major studio, especially if it's one that's like not going to give you your full rate. Um, yeah. You know, it takes a whole day to shoot. You have to leave mm-hmm. your house. Like, you know, there's no, a lot that goes totally. into it. So, so honestly, I'm, I mean, I may occasionally do some studio stuff into the future and that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down with that. But honestly, I'm not even talking about this for myself. Like, to be honest, they'd have to come to me with such good offers mm-hmm. that it's just not going to happen. But what I would rather do is gradually pave the way that the next, you know, indie amateur model, you know, trans model who does not currently have a thousand OnlyFans subscribers can mm-hmm. go ahead and go to a studio and get hired and get paid a fair rate and like, you know, really jumpstart their career that way. Like this is this is not my career path, but I want there to be that space for other people who do not have the privilege of a big platform of their own currently to actually gain it through studios. Yeah, I, I I imagine like for you that would feel like the biggest success of all. Absolutely. And and that's where it worries me of like, have we sort of plateaued on progress? You know, I've seen uh, I don't know if I can name names here, but like Ari Coyote, who's a good friend of mine, I love his stuff. He's done a few studio stuff. Um, Victor Belmont has done one. Um, Connor Atlas, who I don't believe is doing porn currently, has done a few studio things. And that's it. Like, that's literally mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So, like, to get out of this plateau, like, do you feel like the next big thing that needs to happen is, like, actually the big studios do start hiring? Yeah. Like, would that, it- to you, would that be, like, I guess the sign that we have made it to the next level? Yes, I'm sure that if and when that ever happens, I will still find things to complain about and I will still find things to be, you know, that's the only way change gets made. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So I'm not going to be like, okay, we made it. But but no, I think that that would be the next big thing is to have like an entire category on a mainstream site that has trans dudes doing a bunch of different things with a bunch of different people, not all typecast, not all looking the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I think what would be most powerful about that is not just you know, that it's on the studio page or that those models are getting paid, but they're all of a sudden a whole bunch of viewers see this and it's given a certain air of respectability. You know, it's not a niche anymore. It's not Mm -hmm. a dirty little secret anymore. It's not, you know, something they don't even know exists. Like all of a sudden that would be large swaths of the, you know, of the viewership around the globe who would be like, oh, this is a thing. Like this is a legit thing. Do you feel like that is um, like on a a huge scale? Like, do you feel like that is just like what the future is going to be? Like, it's not nothing is going to be niche. Yeah, I mean, 
some things are always going to be niche or, or lots of things are going to be niche just because they are less popular than others. I mean, big boob cheerleaders okay. are always going to be bigger than bondage. <laughs> Um, and that's, that's just numbers. And that's, that's the reality. Just like there's always going to be more straight identified people than gay identified people. And therefore mm-hmm. more straight identified porn than gay identified porn. So that's just numbers. But I think well, that within maybe that. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, you're right. Maybe not. Maybe everyone's just going to be bi in the future and we just give I, up yeah, on Yeah, I kind of feel like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I can't help but feel like, I can't help but feel like most people are a little bit bi. I think they are. They're just not at the point of admitting it. And I honestly don't know if they ever will be. Yeah, like it's and not that, safe for yeah, everyone to come what's out holding, right now, right? Yeah, that's what's yeah. holding them back. But but I guess I guess if I try to answer your question, um, things will be niche by the fact that there are fewer people into certain things. And that's mm-hmm. that's reality. You know, everything cannot be equally popular. There's always going to be a hierarchy. But I feel like right now, certain niches, certain kinks, they're given this idea of like being, um, you know, not they're not respectable. Um, they're really fringe. Yeah, they're dirty. They're fringe. I mean- I feel like, pardon me if I'm incorrect about this, but like five or 10 years ago, doing anal in mainstream, like straight porn was like not very common. And now everybody's doing anal. So, you know, things can really, yeah. It's for for sure. Yeah. Like it's, when I got into porn, I was like, I'll never do anal. I'm not that girl. And then. (laughs) Now look at you. And then. Now look at me. (laughs) I'm like, it's like all I do. So, but but it's true. It's. Yeah, so like preferences change. Yeah. And I think that, you know, big name models as well as studios can really drive that that traffic in different places and um, you know, really, really highlight and showcase in a way that like reimagines what is mainstream, what is popular, what is taboo or not taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it's you're such a huge part of that. Like I I think you're probably like you seem like a very humble person, but like you're so important and like if you know there's if it weren't for you there are so many people that wouldn't be in porn right now and that's like the the truth right like it's it's yeah i'm I'm uncomfortable hearing that yeah no of course because you're like not an asshole but like but yeah i think the objective truth is like the more the more visibility there is it's such a real fucking thing like and that's, that's really my goal. Like I always say my first goal, my primary goal is to keep food on my table and a roof over my head. And that mm-hmm. will always be my primary goal, no matter what I have to do. Mm-hmm. But underneath that, and at the moment, mm-hmm. not too far underneath it, because I'm very fortunate, is saying, let me be loud. Let me be mm-hmm. obnoxious. Let me do every interview of every person who will sit down and listen to me. Let me mm-hmm. piss off some people and, you know, let me bring forward some other things through my platforms, through my work. Um, you know, to me, porn is an art form. So what am I, what am I doing with my art? What am I showing in it? You know, what visuals am I putting out there, you know, breathing life into in public? You know, my, my body is my sculpture. My porn is my, my art and my work that way. So what stories can I tell? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tell stories that totally. you know, make people rethink things. And I think even something like social media is so crucial to that. Like even I think, I I think social media has really helped in normalizing sex workers Mm -hmm. in general. Like they see that like we are happy people, Mm -hmm. we can be in healthy relationships, you know, we have children, like Mm -hmm. we, there are, we are so much more multifaceted and like capable of doing things that are not just fucking Right. Absolutely. It, it demystifies it and it normalizes it. And, and, you know, I think it gives some humanity to it. 
Um, mm-hmm. That's always been my issue with yep. like, you know, the, the anonymous trolls and stuff. I'm like, would you really say that to my face? Like if you knew no, me as a person, wouldn't. would you really say that? No, they wouldn't. Um, it, and, it's I mean, crazy. Like if you judged from social media, you would think that like people like you and I would get stones thrown at us right? every time we left our house. But you know what? Whenever I get recognized in public, people are really nice. Sometimes they're like yeah, a little same. handsy and grab my butt, but mostly they're like really nice. <laughs> and usually that's more about like not them being like ill-intentioned. It's more about being oh, yeah, like yeah. uneducated in oh, how to like treat a human being. <laughs> but like I've had so many people, you know, great gay bar settings, whatever, who've come up to me over the years and they're like, you know, I love your stuff. Like you helped me learn something new about my sexuality or I'm dating a trans dude now and I love your porn and you know, you've helped me explore that. Like those are really the things, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. That we hear from like real people. Meanwhile, the keyboard mm-hmm. warriors are like, "You're an abomination." You know, go repent. <laughs> you should stick to the goal. You know, kill yourself. Say, yeah, I mean, the death threats are like constant. And I'm like, this is exhausting. <laughs> um, but you know, I I bring that stuff forward, and I know you follow my Insta, and like, I'll I'll call people out on that stuff because I feel like it's important for viewers to realize I'm a whole person. And yes, I get hurt by the shit that gets told to me. You know, those are, those are hurtful things to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just a, you know, a sex robot over here. And I also do have mm-hmm. a life. And, you know, I hope that over time that helps people to um, be more respectful, treat sex work as a legit profession, and also just, like, be less weird about human sexuality in general. Like, I am, I am so into the idea of mm-hmm. sex positivity, body positivity, communication with partners, you know, healthy limits. You're protecting your energy in, in situations. You know, I want to foster those kind of conversations. And I feel like through porn, as a porn star, I'm in that position to to have those stories, you know, to have those conversations, to tell those stories to people and, you know, be listened to because I guess I have some authority because I've taken a lot of dick. But uh, people listen. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was going to say, even just by having like that kind of exposure, we are already like a little bit more like we're we're just more exposed to it right mm-hmm. and and i think when you're in sex work like you have to adapt this totally different mentality to sex like we can't sit around feeling awkward about how to tell someone how to go down on us for example oh, right, like there's right. there's no time for that this is our absolutely business and our you know like we we can't we can't feel awkward about asking someone how they want their body to be treated like that's totally part of like- the responsibility of being a porn star. Yeah. I mean, those of us in porn, at least those of us who are like doing a lot of it and I guess doing it right in, in like mm-hmm. a professional way, we're so used to talking about boundaries and consent. And if somebody says they're not into something, we're like, oh, cool, moving on. Whereas like in person, like it's, it's just so, it's like, it's so not an issue. But then I talk to my normie friends, you know, mm-hmm. my civilian friends, and it's like so stressful for them to navigate these boundaries and they well, worry like, about what their like will remember- don't you remember feeling like that? I remember feeling oh, yeah. like that. I, so like I said, I was a late sexual bloomer. I was a very late sexual bloomer. And I was so nervous, so scared, um, mm-hmm. so inept. I to was hurt so, people's feelings. Yeah, or to ask for stuff. I didn't even know how to articulate it. I was horrible in bed. I was like, bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also the other thing that we should be able to admit is like we were all bad in bed once. Right. We were all right? awkward. We all Absolutely. learned to be better. Like you can, some, we yeah. expect people to just like be born these like sexual superstars and mm-hmm. literally none of us are. 
So that's one <laughs> of the reasons why in my porn, when I edit it now, I keep in the awkwardness. There's less awkwardness now than there mm-hmm. was, you know, earlier in my life. But mm-hmm. I keep in the moment where I ask for lube. I keep in the moment where the lube mm-hmm. bottle falls off the bed and we mm-hmm. giggle and go and retrieve it. I keep in the after sex dialogue and chit chat. I mean, not like an hour of it, but I keep in enough for people who watch my porn to know that I am laughing, having fun. Sometimes a position works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the deck slips out. Sometimes the deck isn't hard. And I keep that stuff in, mm-hmm. in addition to all the, you know, perfect sexy moments, because I want people to see what real sex looks like, even for porn stars. And I, you know, I, I, I that's totally. my issue with like the glossy, overly produced stuff. I'm like, this is great, but anybody watching this is either going to feel like they themselves are inept in bed because they can't do all those wacky possessions, and, yeah, you know, stay hard twenty four seven, or they're going to look at it and they're never going to learn about, you know, conversations and consent and, you know, talking with your partner through the encounter. Uh, to me, that stuff is so, so important to and, show and people. And it's almost like, I totally agree. And I think that like there is room for that kind of porn in the world, but I think it's important that it they both exist. Mm-hmm. It's not okay that the only thing we're seeing is the glossy porn. Because exactly. you're right. Like as much as like, you know, like nobody signed up to porn to be an educator initially. Like I don't think. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, like it's it's not that's not really how most of us start our journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like the truth is people are learning about sex from porn and yeah, like, like it or not, they are. So yeah. I'm like, let's make sure if like it or not, you know, younger people are going to be watching porn and learning about it. Mm-hmm. You're learning about sexuality through it. Let's show them a range of activities mm-hmm. and people. And let's let them see that there is conversation and awkwardness and laughter and because until yeah. sexual education is better, oh god, like it's we're horrible. it, <laughs> it's right? horrible, right? <laughs> and and it's all shame based. It's anti science. Mm-hmm. It's anti pleasure. It's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It's exclusionary of gender and sexual minorities. So yeah, mm-hmm. for a young queer person, because I was once a young queer person, mm-hmm. honestly, I would love. You know, when I was growing up, I would love to have then had the porn that I have access to now. Because now there is access to... That being said, like, if... What have you learned? Like, what's... Like, to you, like, what are the things that you most want to pass on to, like, the the younger generation that you've learned, like, as a sex worker, as a sexual person, as a trans person, as, you know, all of these things? Like, like, to you, like, what are, like, the key things you want to pass down? Mm -hmm. I'd say the biggest one is like, just fucking talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. like, and if you can't talk about it with your partner, prospective partner, then that's what needs to be worked on. You know, get to a point that you can talk about stuff without too much shame or awkwardness, get to a point that you can boldly state what you want, get to a point that you're comfortable hearing no, get to a point you're comfortable saying no, get to a point where you're comfortable saying yes to things. Um you know, you don't, you can, where you can state a preference without being like immature about it or grossed out about it or thinking that it's something you have to laugh off is like, oh, well, you know, it's just an idea. Like, it's okay to have your preferences and talk to people about it and like just mm-hmm. fucking talk to people. And, and also, I will say to that, yeah, like talk to the people who are, who have consented to talk to you about it. I, I do have to add that in. Well, yeah. Like the, yeah, the number one step of consent is, is this person even open to have the conversation with me? You know, don't, don't inflict your kinks upon a, a random stranger. 
But once you once you've agreed to have a conversation but with that's someone, that's how bad sex ed is. Yeah, that we don't like. We're not even. We're so awkward about sex as a society mm-hmm. that it's like we can't even tell who's open to a sexual conversation sometimes because we're yeah. so sheltered about it. And that's why and we just assume in it, like yeah. everyone is just. Yeah, like it's it's or, crazy. or conversely, it's why yeah, everyone's I'm, I'm in your DMs with dick pics because they don't understand basic right. consent and boundaries. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's there's no fine tooth comb to be like, what's this situation versus that situation? People are just so inept in general. So that's that's where my message is like, have the conversations with people who you know you have some kind of sexual or friendly relationship with, and then work on yourself, work on your own shame, work on your own. Um, you know, revulsions, work on it to the point that you can have that conversation with yourself about what you want, what floats your boat, watch a lot of porn, read a lot of stories, read a lot of books, like just grow as a person and then start adding in other people and their needs. But I feel like most people just jump right into like, let's go get married and have sex with people. And they've not gotten to that point of actually being comfortable (sighs) with sexuality. And sex is so much better when you can say how you want something done to your own totally, body. Totally. Like it's but, really like game changer. But getting to the point of saying what you want done with your body also requires you being able to know what you want done. You know, that's the True. exploring on your own. That's a lot of masturbation. Big fan of that. I think everyone should get to really know their body. So then when you have that partner who you're, you know, able to talk openly with, you can tell them, hey, this is what I like. Hey, this is what feels good. I mean, I've been with so many people, I will say mostly women, but also some guys, where I ask them, you know, do you like X, Y, and Z? And they're like, uh, I don't know, what are you even asking? I'm like, here, let me show you. And they're like, oh, yeah, that feels great. And like, they've never even explored. And they've never had somebody who asks them that question before. Never. There are so many questions I have not been asked until porn, like right. how I like my clit treated. And that right. there's like a million different answers to that. And like, we we're not even taught that. Absolutely. Like, I mean, most straight guys are given major kudos if they, if they can even find your clit, let alone like <laughs> figure out it's in the same damn place on every woman. Okay. Like, <laughs> look up one diagram and you'll be good. Like, come on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like my my female friends, they're like, you know, this guy is great and bad. I'm seeing. And I'm like, okay, well that's good. But and they're like, oh yeah, like he makes me come at least once. I'm like, okay, well that's that's good. That's a baseline. so true. Like just because you put a modicum of effort in for your partner does not make you great and bad. <laughs> It's true. We our standards are so low. It is so fucking low. Like it's really sad. And that's I mean, honestly, being in porn has spoiled me because my standards are really high now for like, you know, yes. sex because I know how good it could be. I agree. But I also feel like if I had a partner who was less experienced, I could help them. Mm-hmm. Like I could tell them what feels good. Yeah. If they were open to those conversations. You just have to be open. You yeah, have to like be actually. I think like being good at fucking really just kind of comes down to like, are you asking questions? Mm-hmm. And and are you like present? You know, are you looking at your partner or are you staring off into space? Like, look at your partner, listen mm-hmm. to them, like pay attention to them. Use use all your five senses to figure out how they're feeling. 
Um, and honestly, I feel mm-hmm. like that, if people did that, that would solve so many of our issues with like consent and non-consent and, you know, oh, well, I thought she was, she wanted it. I thought she was down with it. Like if you could actually listen to people, there would be no confusion. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like, it's like, there's like a meme that's like, she's sending me mixed signals, but like literally we're just like <laughs> saying what we want. Right, but exactly. Sometimes people can't hear it, you know? <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, that's why I'm so glad that I finally got to a point in my own life that I can say those things boldly and openly and also where I can hear them from people. And also like, don't you kind of feel like, for me anyway, like porn one thing I've really, really learned in porn is that like, yeah, when I first got into porn, I was still very awkward about talking about sex, asking for Mm -hmm. what I want, knowing what I want, like you said. Mm -hmm. But like, it really is like a situation that like, the more you do it, the more it's normalized. And one day it's just not awkward anymore. Oh my God, so much. I mean, I'm a huge believer just in general in life of the idea of fake it till you make it. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, it really does work. It's real. Yeah, it, it, it really, really is. So um, yeah, for sure. Well, I've, I've taken up enough of your time, but we've talked a lot about like your own content throughout this whole interview. But like, can we tell people exactly where to go to see it? Oh my goodness. There are so many good places. To see yeah. it. <laughs> so um, can you like drop a link somewhere into yes. a description or something? Okay. But basically, if you Google triple X transman, T-R-I-P-L-E-X-T-R-A-N-S-M-A-N, that will get you to most things. Um, my biggest platforms are my OnlyFans and my Just for Fans. That is OnlyFans.com slash triple X trans man. And Just for Fans, just for dot fans slash triple X trans man. Um, those are my biggest platforms, but I'm on a bunch of others. Uh, my Twitter is triple X trans man, T-R-I-P-L-E-X-T-R-A-N-S-M-A-N. Um, Instagram, triple X trans man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically that name will get you everywhere <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of fun stuff i will I say in researching this interview yes you are very easily googleable and um, idea. it's not hard to find your stuff <laughs> and i think it's because i think it's because you haven't shot a whole bunch of studio shit like yeah it's just me like for me when you google my name it's like you gotta really search to find my shit you know what i mean but for you it kind of pretty much goes right away to i think all the links you'd want us to go to yeah absolutely i mean that's certainly been my goal is is you know content control and and creative control has always Mm -hmm. been huge for me from a business standpoint and yeah i mean if people want to find me they find me and that's always been my goal yeah so yay, I'm glad that's working. Thank you so much for joining us. It's oh, been like you. a really eye-opening and enlightening conversation. And I hope other people feel the same way too. I hope so too. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to run my mouth about all kinds of things. <laughs> and your cats. We got to talk about your cats. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Bye.